years into a global pandemic, we have seen young women across the world tackle seismic changes in their communities by agitating, organizing, and educating. I'm Chavi Sachdev, and this is the first episode of Hashtag Rise Up, the latest podcast from the World YWCA. In this season, I'm going to talk to women and young women leaders from many different nations about the concept of community building and philosophies that help them choose the paths that they do. What drives their leadership in various spaces on various themes? We believe the stories these leaders share will provide you resources for advocacy and training because we believe that growing feminist leadership is one of the most powerful ways to effect change for this planet. In this episode, I'm going to dive deep into one of the most underestimated and often misunderstood relationships in social organizations today, that of faith and feminism. I'm really interested that the title of the podcast uses the word and. It's faith and feminism. It's not faith versus feminism, faith over feminism. And I like the fact that it acknowledges that one can be a feminist and also a person of deep faith. That's Ruth Mathan speaking to us from Hong Kong, where she works with the Christian Conference of Asia, an ecumenical organization bringing together churches from Iran to Japan and from Nepal to New Zealand. Ruth's own background as a Malayali Syrian Christian from India gives her insight into the different kinds of Christian traditions she works with. There is a different understanding of femininity and the image of the feminine in Orthodox theology as in Protestant theology, which tends to be a little more dominant within the ecumenical movement. Um, But I don't see that as a challenge. I see that as a very unique offering to the ecumenical movement itself. What Ruth does see as a challenge is finding the space to be able to express herself when her presence is tokenized. You know, I think... I'm probably given the space simply because I am young or simply because I am woman and not particularly because of what I have to offer. So trying to discern spaces and negotiating spaces where I can truly, meaningfully and authentically participate is a challenge. Ruth takes inspiration from the work of another Malayali Syrian Christian, Sarah Chako, who in the early 20th century became the first woman to be the president of the World Council of Churches. And when she was selected as a delegate of our church to represent our church at the General Assembly of the World Council of Churches, she herself was quite surprised, you know. She said that there's never been any rule against it, but it has never been done. And I think these words are very profound in developing a sort of courage and bravery to confront socio-cultural realities that impose themselves on religious lives. I don't think that our faith or our theology entirely can be dismissed as sexist, but there are customs that still prevail within our community that 
emulate or encapsulate this sexism and allows it to trickle down to other generations so i think her call of saying there's never been any rule against it but it's just never been done um is is a very brave call to confront 2000 years of tradition and is also a call to those who are in positions of decision making um to look at and examine where they are and what they can do for greater equality one of the important reasons for considering faith in feminist activism of course is that religious identity is one of the intersectional markers used to oppress women all over the world yeah one of the programs in the christian conference of asia is the ecumenical women's action against violence or the evav program and it is under this program that we examine how the daily lived realities of violence pervades through every aspect of a woman's life in asia we look at many different forms intersecting forms of oppression that women experience in the work that we do we focus on women coming from east asia from southeast asia and from south asia and through all of these context and places where these women are you will note that all of them are religious minorities except in the philippines and in east timor and so everywhere there is that added layer of of oppression that women may face first of all given that they're asian second that they're from a religious minority and third of course that they're women but as ruth points out there are faith based traditions of activism that can inform feminist movements in useful ways there are critiques within you know the feminist movement itself that may not be vocalized or articulated very well but you know the tendency of feminist movements to have snap judgments or you know to have to support cancel culture which lacks mercy which can be spiteful i think that cannot have space within faith based movements when grounded on doctrines of love and compassion really there's no space for retaliation or ostracism in that way so i see a great bravery again in the way women are responding to the unique issues that they face in asia we're seeing an emergence of new and creative theologies and voices from young christian women who are articulating themselves their identity and their place in this world and i think that should be given more recognition when it comes to interfaith coalition building ruth has found that the easiest way to build those connections is to focus on shared social concerns when we do programs of social justice there is benefit for everybody involved there's a benefit in coming together and in sharing of resources of course but the benefit of course of all those who are being served as well that offers a good starting point for encounter when you have a common concern that you can work towards you are then 
forced to work with somebody that is different from you, that has a different background from you. And in that encounter is where then you will develop a compassion and an understanding through this process of giving and receiving. Ruth has fond memories of watching this interfaith sharing of common beliefs play out at the Asian Ecumenical Women's Assembly that she helped organize in Taiwan in 2019. They had a panel with women of different faiths, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim and Catholic, and she found that all of them spoke about caring for creation. It was astounding to see that every faith is inextricably linked with creation, you know, and the call of that presentation was was clear, of that panel was clear. They asked everyone present there to examine themselves and how they relate with the rest of the world. No matter what your location is, no matter where your place is, you could be an agent of care and stewardship for the rest of creation. And that was a very inspiring panel that we had, you know, to find that common ground amongst all these women of different faiths, uh, but ultimately showing the same love and care and compassion for this common world that we inhabit. This syncretism in belief is something Dr. Rajini Sureka has also experienced firsthand. Rajini spoke to us from Australia. She's a Sri Lankan feminist whose parents come from different religious traditions. My father, he strongly believes about the Buddhist. So he used to go to the temple. He used to do all the religious things and all. But at the same time, my mother's side. So they are going to the church every day, every Sunday. Like They celebrated Christmas. And it was like, okay, when I saw them always, like, they are balancing because my father, not that level, like, when I got married, my situation also same. I am coming from the Christian background, my husband coming from the Buddhist background. Then uh, we were able to communicate each other, what are the differences in between the religion and uh, what are the different things what we are doing and he used to come to the church i used to go to the temple and uh, it was like totally understandable uh, situation i guess it's really helps me a lot because when i go to the community when they ask questions and because i'm coming from the christian background when they ask when people comes from the buddhist background they ask different questions then it really helps me a lot to understand their situation, understand their questions and reply how we can, uh, some problems, how we can sort out within like community issues. It's really helped me a lot. When Sureka was working as a Rise Up project coordinator in Sri Lanka a few years ago, she made sure to program interfaith activities within the YWCA's sphere. Given the history of religious conflict between communities in Sri Lanka, what she found worked well was to start with simple workshops. Within the Christian community and the Buddhist community, they had different beliefs and they had different capacity within the community. So when they participated those programs, they had issues within the community and uh, sometimes they 
sometimes they like really afraid to participate some programs and like you know what other people think and as a leaders sometimes they don't want to come out of the out of the frame actually so that gave us some issues as well even like within like if we talk about the sinhala and tamil community like we had different conflicts in between them so first when we organized the workshop we had like we asked them to stay two nights three nights together and we gave them different activities to work for them together then they build up their relationship and when they go back to their home they still continue their partnership with the groups actually that's how we approached those people and uh, it was right like really help us to sort out some issues and because previously they didn't had any idea because when they work separately they didn't had idea they can do so many things together then once they got chance to work with other people they got understand they can do a lot of things like uh, without any clumsies and everything sureka so saw the results of this proactive interfaith community mobilization firsthand when they worked in a remote area with an underserved muslim community so somehow we were able to reach the puttalam community and uh, we were able to manage one group to work with them and within that group we had several young people actually who was like happy to work with the work as work with the christian community they were very happy because they are from the muslim community and they believe different level of they have different faith i remember they shared their stories like how they changed their life when we started the ywca because uh, previously no one don't want to talk to them no one like don't want to listen to them and no no one don't want to understand their leadership or support them to come up with their leadership so actually like we had different different workshops within that area then uh, few people start some businesses and uh, few people face the what it's called like government election or election so they shared like okay so they got opportunity to work with the ywc one girl said one day like okay i want to be a political member but i don't know whether i'm a girl so i don't know whether i can face this situation or not then we said okay as a leader you can yes of course but you have to build your confidence first empowering young women to lead is also what our third guest does joy eva hall is from the philippines and she currently works in geneva with the world council of churches on youth engagement she has found that global gatherings that her wcc helps organize can be a powerful tool to bring youth issues to leaders of faith-based organizations. The ecumenical youth gathering has been a powerful tool for young people to to come together. That was very clear to addressing the church leaders and the, the ecumenical partners to say we need action now. We appreciate statements, we appreciate prayers and as people of faith, 
prayers should push us to action. And so the clear message was on climate change and also on the gender justice issues in different contexts around the world. In organizing between various churches of Christian faiths and across global cultures, Joy Ava has found various strategies to help everyone feel respected and included. The membership, the 353 members of the World Council of Churches is really, you know, from both extremes of the spectrum. You have extreme progressive and you also have extreme um, conservative. But we have we found some ways to to work together with our common themes. So, for example, in the ecumenical and the prayers for ecumenical events, we normally say we are having a common prayer. We do not uh, say we're having an order of worship, we're doing a liturgy, because these words have different meanings in different traditions, Christian traditions. So we come with our common prayer. Another strategy Joy Eva values is making sure to respect the local culture she is visiting and to prepare beforehand through orientations and reading. She is also ready to adapt on the fly to any local inputs. And um, we're and always um, creating this space of dialogue and also creating this space of guidelines and expectations and intercultural orientation at the beginning of every event, especially that we are dealing with international events most of the time. So those orientations are very important together with our local host and our member church in that country, because this is also setting us in our mindset, right? And our attitude towards how to interact, how to, how to be respectful in that space that we're entering to. And you have to respect the context where you come in because um, I'm also a missionary. And so what I know as pre, in, a, in principle as well, that, you know, we come there as strangers. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to move in the space through the experience of the locals and their local context, rather than us insisting what we want to others to, to do, or this is what we prepared for you. Being a feminist within a religious structure can sometimes provoke moments of crisis when your political beliefs and your faith-centered traditions conflict with each other. According to a 2019 Pew Research study that Joy Eva cites, young people are leaving church institutions, but they are still very spiritual. She can relate. I also went through this phase where I really, I lost trust to the institution, like the church institution itself and left the church for some time until I came back. And I came back through a personal relationship with someone that I saw, I saw a different lifestyle that from what I I knew about people of faith and people in church institutions. So in our programs, um, I've encountered young people who are also like this and have identified with them. And you know what? I think the the very important thing to to work on it is to have this personal personal touch. I know we work globally, but then also not losing this personal relationship with, with young people. And then also looking at listening to them and creating um, a safe space. 
The way for faith-based institutions to bring young people back into their fold, Joy Eva says, is for the organizational leadership to really be responsive to young people's concerns. Additionally, they have to hold themselves accountable to the change they're asking for. And, and so we, when we do these consultations, when we listen to their voices, one thing we also do is to ensure that these voices will not, I mean, with their permission, of course, that if there are things that we can bring to the, to the leadership of, example, the WCC, we can lift up to the leadership and to the programs of the WCC, then we bring them in and hold the institution accountable for these commitments to the young people. So it is not only providing a safe space to say, you can say whatever you want, but actually taking those voices and those suggestions seriously by bringing them back to the leadership and to the work that we do, and then telling them that, you know, we brought it back to to the leadership and now we can see some changes. And so when they see that, they would say that, oh, there is still some, some hope. Like our other two guests, Joy Eva finds that her feminism is intertwined with her faith, and it informs how she interprets her religious texts to find new meaning in them. So in the text of Mary and Martha, you know, the, the, the perspective every time, I've heard this story being said in sermons like a lot of times, but the one interpretation I've, I've really appreciated that I really that it really shifted uh, my my understanding of of you know church uh, at that time was this uh, Jesus inviting Martha to say because Martha was complaining like oh Mary why is Mary always with Jesus she's not helping in the in the kitchen with me that was the story when Jesus was sharing a story and she was busy preparing um, food for the disciples and um, she was complaining to Jesus why her sister didn't join her in the kitchen and yet uh, Jesus invited her and said you know why are you complaining you should the the interpretation that I had was that you know Mary knew her place her place was to be with the rest of the disciples and you know taking your ownership of your space at the table and Jesus was challenging Martha that even though the society is telling you that this is your place at the kitchen as a woman you also have the, the freedom, you have the choice to, to own your space at the table among these men. And, you know, like, I'm not uh, telling you to, I'm not restricting you to do this, but you have to decide for yourself to take your place. And, and I think that's very empowering. And that's very powerful to see that really, you know, like, in, in, the, in the many spaces of the church, like as a young woman, young woman and colored woman as well in this global organization where, of course, a lot of white old men um, uh, are, are in the leadership. It is very important that, you know, okay, society is telling me this, but the, the feminist Jesus that I know would be challenging me to say like, hey, you own your space at the table. You know, Jesus is a feminist. <laughs> Intersectional feminism, faith, and leadership are core to the work of World YWCA, which is one of the oldest global feminist faith-based movements. Talking to these three feminist leaders has really made it clear how faith and feminism can positively bring about change in communities. 
The World YWCA is a global women's rights organization engaging millions of women, young women, and girls around the world each year across cultures and beliefs to transform lives and the world for the better. With a presence in over 100 countries, our work is grassroots driven, grounded in local communities, and rooted in the transformational power of women. We provide support and opportunities for women, young women, and girls to become leaders and change makers who not only protect their rights and impact their communities, but inspire their peers to do the same. We are focused on building a strong intergenerational network of women and young women leaders with programs led by and for women and young women in response to the unique needs they see in their communities. Our goal is that by 2035, 100 million young women and girls transform power structures to create justice, gender equality, human dignity, freedom, a sustainable environment, and a world free from violence and war, leading a vital YWCA movement, inclusive of all. This podcast series has been funded by the Australian government under the Rise Up Young Women's Leadership and Advocacy Initiative in the Asia-Pacific region. You can find out more about our work on our website. Our handle is WorldYWCA on all social media. A Sonologue production.